Why, hello there, everyone, and welcome to the Urban Health Podcast, keeping busy city executives and entrepreneurs healthy and inspired. I'm Stephanie Webster, a nutritional therapist in Harley Street, London, specializing in fat loss, gut health, and hormone optimization for executives over 40. Today, we are joined by the amazing James Lamper from Weight Matters on Wigmore Street and Piccadilly. His multidisciplinary clinics have been operating for over 13 years for those who are struggling with their mind, weight, health, and body. They've been uh, helping over 10,000 patients. James, thank you so much for coming onto the show. Stephanie, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm delighted to be speaking with you and your audience today. So, James, tell us a bit more about you and your story and what inspired you to set up Weight Matters. Well, a long time ago, or maybe not that long ago, Stephanie, when I was a young boy, I was a, a binge eater. So uh, I was reaching for food as a way of managing my emotions and uh, comforting me in those difficult times uh, going through my childhood and adolescence. And back then, in the, the late 70s, early 80s, there really wasn't any specialized uh, clinic um, or treatment center to go to. And I struggled through into my early adult life. Um, and at that time, I moved into kind of exercise, became a personal trainer, um, managed to shed a lot of my weight, but still struggled with, um, you know, issues around my eating. There were certainly disordered eating patterns available. And it wasn't until my late 20s when I received some specialized treatment, um, I managed to really get on top of my, my struggles with eating and my weight. And since then, um, over 20 years, I've been on a deep dive into various sort of um, levels of study around the psychology of eating behavior, patterns of eating, um, eating disorder, morbid, uh, morbid obesity, trained as a psychotherapist, um, and trained uh, in you know, quite a lot of uh, nutrition and understanding the specific nutrition for disordered eating patterns. And it was about 13 years ago I realized that I had quite a unique blend of skills and insights. Um, and I put it all together. And um, I'm really glad I did because I created Weight Matters, which is now the UK's leading center for weight, eating, um, and body and health issues. Yes. And I actually came to you because I was struggling with not eating enough calories for the amount of workouts I was putting in every every single day. And I became absolutely food obsessed. Just everything started to look like a piece of food at one point. And I was craving food, thinking about food. I was absolutely obsessed. And my relationship with food changed. And you really helped me reframe the psychology and understand why I was reaching for food in moments of stress or overwhelm or uh, boredom or exasperation. And uh, I found you absolutely instrumental in my development and my own uh, health and, and journey. So thank you very much for your contribution. Uh, well, Stephanie, it was, uh, it's been a delight um, supporting you and uh, I'm glad that you found um, the support I gave helpful. Well, and, uh, well you're obviously you're thriving now with, um, with Urban Health, which is, which is great. <laughs> well, anyone who delves into my mind is sticky business, so um, I, I admire anyone. <laughs> I admire anyone who even attempts. So you help a range of clients. What conditions do you normally treat? So if we look at, um, uh, let's say, eating patterns on a dimensional scale, at one end you're going to have um, very severe eating disorders like anorexia, 
uh, bulimia, binge eating. Um, there will be other things in there like uh, night eating syndrome, orthorexia. Um, and then at the other end, we've got some real morbid obesity. So people that maybe are pre or post bariatric surgery um, and the interventions that go with this. There'll be a lot of comorbidities of other health conditions that will be associated with that. Um, and then there's this big um, space in between where people don't necessarily have an eating disorder or need a bariatric surgery, struggle their whole life with their weight um, and their relationship with eating and their body. So there may be elements of emotional eating. There may be um, quite strong and severe social comparison of their body shape against other people um, or that sense of um, maybe they had an eating disorder in the past and at times of really high stress, maybe there might be some purging activity that comes back in. But often we get people um, that just come through to us into the practice that realize that they've tried so many different things, they've tried so many different diets, um, but for whatever reason, they know that there's some psychological, let's say, stuckness that is preventing them from moving on. Um, and I'm really pleased that we can offer a range of services that really helps people get a breakthrough so that they're not thinking about food all the time. They're not worried about their body and it frees them up to really live their life and feel good about themselves. And I love the authenticity when you mention your own journey and and your own um, for with binge eating disorder. So, what is the root cause of binge eating disorder, and how can it be prevented? You know, it's a it's a really interesting question. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep this one brief uh, for the podcast. But if you think about it, food is um, a necessary component of our lives, and um, even from that moment when we're first born. Food is um, something that is very nourishing and is associated with love and comfort. So as we go through our childhood, um, food is used almost as a, a kind of a token economy. Sometimes it's given as a reward. Sometimes it's given as comfort. Sometimes it's given to us to shut us up. But we, we create this association with food. And as we kind of travel through our childhood, when we're feeling emotionally upset, if we're feeling stressed, if we, for whatever reason, feel bad about ourselves, so that we've already built this association with food, that it gives us some sense of comfort. And so there's an emotional and psychological connection with food, but at the same time, neuroscience is now telling us that when we even think about a piece of chocolate, we're getting a release of dopamine in our brain we then go, move forward and we actually reach uh, for the food and we start eating it, we get more dopamine and we get endorphins released in the brain. So we're getting this chemical response which is continuously giving positive reinforcement for our behavior around food. So binge eating is, is a very complex presentation. It has a lot of memory, history, associations with food as comfort but there's also this very chemical reinforcement that keeps it kind of repeating and being re reinforced in our lives. Absolutely. And I have ulcerative colitis as well. And the gut flora and the microbiome and how our gut is, our, is, uh, is a center for uh, serotonin and how that affects uh, the, the brain and mood is, is huge. And, and more of that's coming now. And what I love about your clinic is you have... The, the cognitive behavioral therapy, you have dietitians and you also have psychiatrists. Should 
you need to use all of those three, you really offer full support for anyone facing these issues. And my digestive concerns have been, um, uh, have had a role to play in my mood and my mental health. And understanding that, understanding that my biology affects my psychology has been profound. Oh, absolutely. And um, I think... um you know, as, as a practice, as, as weight matters, our ethos is really we need to be on the cutting edge of bringing all the latest science and decanting it into the way that we are then providing um, treatment for our clients. And for sure, the, the research, which is just tumbling out at the moment around the microbiome and this two-directional communication from our gut, from our intestines, to our brain, and for sure, if there is an imbalance of um, bacteria which is being fed by sugar, that's going to be sending a lot of messaging to the brain, which is also going to be driving the desire to want to eat more sugar. So being able to understand what's happening in our gut, and part of our practice is that we, we look at functional medicine as well, and we have functional medicine tests that we can prescribe and we can see what's going on in somebody's biochemistry. So that's another way that we can intervene in a very holistic way, not just the therapeutic, psychological, emotional support. And by the way, we have a range of therapists, not just CBT. We have TA, integrative, psychoanalytic, psychotherapists. So we have a range of therapeutic interventions which we um, blend with our nutritional team um, and the psychiatrist as well to provide a very holistic, multidisciplinary team approach to really create a bespoke treatment program for the very individual presentations that people come to us with in the practice. And let's talk about anorexia for a moment. What causes anorexia? What sort of thought patterns would be described as the beginnings of uh, anorexia and how can it be treated? So anorexia is, um, is a very complex and also a very challenging condition for both the, uh, the person that is suffering but also for their immediate family. Um, and it's a, it's a combination of different factors that I suppose in my clinical practice that come together. One of them is a strong desire to be thin. Um, and that can be based on sibling rivalry. It can be based on peer pressure. And very much in the day and age that we're living in now, it's going to be a, uh, based on the social media um, phenomenon, you know, especially if there are lots of perfect images being presented on Instagram, for example. So a desire to be thin and how appearance is connected to self-worth or our self-value. That will also be combined with um, family pressures. So it could be many things that are happening within a family. It could be sometimes uh, there may be a divorce that is happening. There may be um, another sibling, for example, that is um, going through an illness. And so there may be a need um, to be noticed, to have attention. Or it can be a sense of a very controlling um, parent figure. Um, and a need for control or desire for control is also something that can be communicated through anorexia. So if we, if we look at anorexia and again trying to simplify it, there is obviously a very severe restriction of food. And as that restriction of food continues to tighten and the BMI of the individual starts to drop further and further, their thinking capacity shrinks. 
and therefore um, the choices they make are going to be much more limited. And that becomes very dangerous and makes anorexia, you know, shockingly, the greatest mental health um, killer of people. But the other factor is going to be how it affects the, the family. And um, it can be just, just very dominating within the family. It's about getting the family to work together as a, as a kind of community to really support the person that is struggling. So with anorexia, lots of complicated factors that are involved, um, but you need, very, again, very specific interventions around the eating protocols, but also support for the individual and for the family. And with the rise of social media, you mentioned Instagram there, body dysmorphia has had an increase statistically. Um, so tell, let's talk about bulimia and how that's different to, to anorexia. It's, it's another important condition that I'd like to shed some light on. Hmm. With bulimia, um, again, a very interesting condition. Um, so often the case there would be um, a level of binge eating. So again, maybe using food as a, an emotional component, um, you know, a way of kind of de-stressing or even distracting ourselves away from other emotions which are difficult to deal with. But with um, bulimia, there is this component of purging or compensating for the calories that I've just taken in. Often that will be in the form of vomiting straight after the, uh, the binge has taken place. It can be through laxative use, and it can also be through compulsive exercise. So it's this almost um, the, the connection. Once the binge has taken place, I have to, I must get rid of these calories because if I don't, I will gain weight. And so it's this, um, the need for this secondary behavior to compensate for the binging that's taken place. And what can really happen, which can be very dangerous with bulimia, is how it can affect the biochemistry of the body. So again, we're looking at kind of electrolyte imbalances, damage to the, the gut, and obviously to the esophagus and to the teeth. So, and, and actually to the heart as well, because when you're purging, you're releasing or expelling potassium ions, which can really start to affect the arrhythmia um, or create arrhythmia in the, in the heart. So a very dangerous condition around the biochemistry. And again, it needs to be a combination of both therapeutic, the, the kind of the psychology, but also the kind of specialized dietary input as well. So some of the clients who are listening to this now uh, who need to come and see you because they do have a recognized condition, but some of the clients who are listening to this actually would be the typical person I would hear in the gym saying, oh, I, I, did, uh, I had too much food at the weekend, so I really need to push it today in the gym. How do we know whether we have an eating disorder or whether we're just bringing some balance to an overindulgent life? Well, I think that's a really, really good question. Um, I think let's put, let's say, normality would be, oh, you know, I, I, I indulged on the weekend. Boy, that Sunday lunch is really good. You know, this week I want to kind of keep it a little bit lean and uh, just cut down a little bit. There's nothing wrong in that at all. I think when it starts to shift into, let's say, your mind starts becoming more and more obsessed with your eating patterns, or you can't stop thinking about um, the food that you're going to eat or maybe you start getting angry and cross that you can't exercise or you start um, cancelling social engagements because there's a fear that you might eat too much. It's when your eating, weight and exercise thoughts and behaviours 
start to take on too much importance in your life and it starts to, let's say, um, get in the way of your daily functioning, then that is the time when your disordered eating, potentially, if it's not, um, there's no treatment to intervene, could eventually move into an eating disorder. And just to be clear, I have a 12-week program where I help uh, inspire and keep keep uh, my clients to account to lose body fat and build muscle. But when I see symptoms like this, I have no hesitation referring them to James because it's out with my scope of practice and I don't offer anything more than I uh, am qualified for. And I'd like to talk about Prolon now, James. Um, you've got a product called mm-hmm. Prolon. What does it do and who is it for? So this came into um, uh, in the UK. So I think it was uh, Walter Longo. So a guy who's been researching kind of fasting for many, many years. And I'm sure many of your um, listeners know about the, the benefits of fasting, especially in the back end of Michael Mosley, the 5-2, and the variety of fasting programs that are now available. And there's a fine balance here, Stephanie, between, again, kind of a healthy relationship with food and eating and how fasting might be taken up by some people and actually then be taken into their, let's say, disordered eating or eating disorder mindset. But the Prolon um, program is basically called the Fasting Mimicking Diet. We could just say it's, it's a program that you follow for five days, and um, it's plant-based, and I, we see it as a way of giving your, your brain and your metabolism a space to rest. So it's a structured program where you may eat some kind of soups um, or some kind of very basic sort of um, teas and there's a simple bar that you might have or soup and it allows your your whole physiology just to calm down. It's giving you just the essential nutrients to give you the same benefits of a fasting period um, but you're still receiving nutrients into the body which in that respect we believe makes it feel a little bit safer. So for people that really struggle with their weight or maybe they're just in a cycle where they just can't get themselves out of a, let's say, healthy eating for three weeks and then I'm eating badly for two weeks, maybe it just gives their body and their mind a chance to reset. Yes, and conversely, um, for some clients who maybe have an anxious disposition, fasting has been seen to be a bit detrimental because you're robbing the brain of blood glucose, which sends it to a mild panic, uh, for want of a better phrase. So how has fasting not been helpful for certain clients? Um, As I was saying just now, I think it can be picked up on as, aha, so fasting now is socially acceptable and therefore it's something that I can do. But if you bring fasting um, and incorporate it into somebody's life, and that person, let's say, has a more fragile mind, um, I don't think that's a great combination. Mm-hmm. So if somebody has a, when I say talk about a fragile mind, maybe their um, nutrition or lifestyle choices are poor, maybe they have poor sleep patterns, maybe they already have a focus around disordered eating or an eating disorder, bringing that fasting pattern in, as you say, it's going to rob the body of the nutrients it needs you're more likely to create stress hormones, cortisol, adrenaline, so the body switches into its sympathetic um, you know, uh, part of the autonomic nervous system so that that kind of stress focus is not going to be great for somebody. It's going to affect their mood. They're more likely to become angry and irritable. 
So I think it's important that fasting is brought in and it's managed with a professional team and it's done in the context of a strategic um, pattern of really looking at changes to lifestyle, which include your diet, as well as exercise, restorative movement things like yoga, deep breathing, meditation, um, and really looking at it, using it as part of um, a collection of tools to help somebody move to a better weight and health. So I'm going to ask you about what services Weight Batters has to offer. And in light of that, I'd like to share a little bit about my nutrition journey. And when I studied nutrition, I was surrounded by athletes who had questions such as, if I add 50 grams of carbs to my diet, how does that affect my performance on the track? So they were asking real performance-based questions, and their relationship with food was food was fuel. And I was asking questions like, but what do you do if you fancy a bit of chocolate? And they all looked at me like I was a complete alien. And I'm just aware that anyone listening to this might think, but I don't have these issues with food. I don't have this relationship with food. And if if your belief is food is fuel versus food is pleasure, it, it defines how you approach your eating on a day-to-day basis. And um, I'd like to know about your range of services for those who are interested in actually examining this a bit further, James. So what are your range of services at Weight Matters? Mm, sure. Um, and I, I think you're right. You know, seeing food as fuel, um, I think many people uh, would uh, find that to have a, a lucky mindset to have. Um, for people that have struggled with their, their weight or their eating issues, um, that's, that may seem like a very alien concept for them. Um, I mean, if we look at the therapeutic services, so we have a team of um, 18 um, psychotherapists and counsellors, so a large team. And uh, we work with, you know, weight loss counselling, weight loss therapy, um, breakthrough days. So what we're talking about there is maybe doing um, a four or an eight-hour session to do a real deep dive in being able to almost focus in on the, the areas that psychologically are keeping you stuck. What are the patterns that you're repeating and for whatever reason you're self-sabotaging that you can't get yourself out of? And so that might be the breakthrough day. Um, but in regular kind of weekly therapy sessions, um, we would work with someone's, um, let's say, barriers to making change. And it's not just about dealing with um, their struggle with their weight. We would look at um, a wider range of mental health conditions like anxiety, depression, OCD, low self-worth, conditions like loneliness, um, uh, let's say avoidance or being able to deal with your emotions that may be connected with um, someone's, let's say, pattern of disordered eating. So that's what the therapeutic team would work on. We've realized over the years that combining it and working side by side with the nutrition team is really important. So we created uh, about six years ago our shrink program, which is, again, for people that really just struggle with their weight. They know that Diets don't work. They need something different. So here you're working both with um, a member of the therapy team and with the nutrition team side by side to really support you in making these changes to do something different so that you can get long-term, not just weight loss, but a long-term change in the way that you perceive your relationship with weight foods eating in your body. Our rebalance program is for people with more, let's say, disordered eating, leaning in towards the eating disorder. So again, it's about giving the therapeutic support and then the specialist dietitian 
interventions and protocols necessary to support somebody towards recovery from having an eating disorder. Um, the nutrition team, so we have uh, dietitians, we have nutritional therapists like yourself, and um, basically working together with them, they provide services for more um, complicated health conditions uh, like diabetes, even with Alzheimer's, um, with uh, gastrointestinal problems, ulcerative colitis, as you mentioned earlier. And then with the functional medicine, um, super interesting, being able to kind of um, really do some specific um, testing to understand what's happening in someone's microbiome or even in someone's gut um, so that that really informs specific protocols and interventions, lifestyle changes, dietary changes, or maybe even a supplement protocol. Finally, we've got our psychiatrist. We're very lucky to have a consultant psychiatrist as part of the team that we can refer to and work with. So again, um, somebody that may have um, bipolar or um, you know severe depression or anxiety, somebody that basically can do a strong um, psychiatric assessment and then can prescribe medication, work closely with the therapeutic team so we can really give this very rounded, holistic and supportive approach to our clients. So I'm going to ask you in a bit, why do you love what you do? But before that, I would like to throw in a curveball, if I may, and talk about bariatric surgery. So I have a gastric band and I it did not work for me or I was rather told that I did not cooperate with the band but being rebellious I suppose uh, that would was always going to be the case but I had to really um, look at what was causing my eating patterns um, in the first place mourning my mother's death eating foods that reminded me of her this compulsion and I did a lot of that work on my own uh, which was very difficult for me. That's, this was before I ever got to know you. And it, had I had you then, I would have had a very different relationship with food uh, over the last 10 years. And I've been very grateful to have breakthrough session days with you where I've looked at my own uh, uh, rules around food and why I eat what I eat. And I actually love what I eat. And I love eating well and nutritionally dense food and you've given me such insight into my intentions behind everything that I eat chew and swallow and absorb and and uh, I love I love my relationship with food now but when it comes to bariatric surgery how does that affect the body and I know that some of the people who come to see you and come to see me want to avoid such severe uh, measures and they'll be listening to this so do you have any words for them who they think they're sort of mulling over whether they should do bariatric surgery or not and they come and speak to you first mm, sure um again this is an area that I, I find really interesting um but i've worked with many many clients both pre-bariatric surgery and during and also post-bariatric surgery my i mean the non-surgical um solutions that uh, i've already described as in the shrink program we also nutritional interventions, metabolic balance is a great endocrinology program that we also provide at the practice. Um, I think being able to engage with some of these programs would be a good starting point. Um, but if somebody's weight is much, much higher, if their BMI is, is 35 and there are comorbidities, we 
we're looking at kind of certain um, ethnicities as well, the likelihood of those non-surgical interventions working become more limited. So being able to have an honest discussion with our clients about surgical um, options, I think is important and at times is in the best interest for our clients. We've actually recently partnered with uh, Sanjay Pukayakwa at the uh, Imperial Healthcare at the Lindo Wing in Paddington, St. Mary's. Um, and so we worked very closely. I did some due diligence in deciding which bariatric surgeon I wanted to um, partner with. And I like his approach. He's very matter-of-fact. And it's very much about, look, let's look at the what's going to be the best thing for our clients. I'm not just going to sign somebody off for surgery if they're not ready or actually they, they haven't looked at other alternatives. So that seems like a good match um, for the Weight Matters team. But I think what's really, really important there is you've got to think about um, have you sorted out your emotional connection with food? Because if you haven't sorted that out, the likelihood is even after the first, uh, let's say, 12 months of jubilation, excitement and joy of the weight loss, that you're going to get with whatever surgical intervention you choose, those psychological and emotional connections with food will rear their head again. So if you want to maximize um, your long-term benefit from bariatric surgery, please come to either our practice or find other therapeutic teams that can work with your emotional and psychological, let's say, enmeshment with food and eating. Because if you can learn some interventions and separate that out before you have the surgery, then not just you're going to get the, uh, the weight loss, but you're going to get the freedom away from um, food being used as a tool to comfort you in some way. And just one last piece on that, Stephanie, is um, the research is showing that actually some of the older interventions with bariatric surgery, like um, a gastric band or gastric balloons, um, they're kind of dwindling in their, let's say, usage now to things more like um, the sleep gastrectomy, uh, the gastric bypass, and also the, the kind of the newer idea of the mini gastric bypass. And they have, let's say there are different reasons why people might choose each surgery, which again is something that we can discuss with them. But a lot of research is also being done in how it affects the microbiome. So going back to what we were discussing later, is understanding how these changes surgically to the body actually affect that gut-brain connection, which, again, is really important for long-term success with bariatric surgery. Yes, which is why you need a multidisciplinary clinic like yourselves who have all of that knowledge under one roof and you communicate with with each other. And, again, if it's psychological, it's biological. How you affect your body uh, taking bits out, putting bits in, it all affects your system. And I'm very much about respecting the human body and actually going back to the real reasons. Look at yourself in the mirror, be honest with yourself and say, why are you overweight? What are the real reasons that you eat the way you do? And I can honestly say, if I had met you before my surgery, I would not have had my surgery because the the diagnosis was I had I had an unhealthy relationship with food and I was overeating to my physiological needs and excess body fat um, was on my body as a result of that and I did a lot of that work on my own but I'm so happy to have met you in the last year to to really 
solidify um, my learnings and also open my eyes to a whole new way of relating to food. So thank you again, James. But what, why do you love what you do is my next big question. I love <laughs> surrounding myself, myself with experts who absolutely have a passion for what they do. They're competent, they're capable, they're ethical, but they're intelligent, but also they love what they do. So why do you love what you do, James? Uh, so you're asking that question. I've got a big smile on my face. Um, um, why do I love what I do? Um, it was interesting. I had a training day with all of my team to, to get yesterday. So we get together three times a year and there's a lot of CPD training support that's given to all of the practitioners that work. And we have over 22 client facing practitioners now. So it's, I think that's a really good question. Let me say that the first thing that's so important to us is about supporting our clients. It's about giving them um, the best treatment we can. It needs to be ethical. It needs to be professional. It needs to be caring. And we need to get results. So it really matters to us, and that's probably why we call weight matters. It really matters about the results and the experience that our clients have. And that's at the very core of what we do. The other part of uh, why I love what I do is about developing people. So not just maybe um, developing our clients. It's all very well saying, look, here's a diagnosis and this is what we think is going on for you. But it's, it's about giving you interventions and skills so that you not only get through this um, presentation that you come to us with, but we also want to then deliver you with skills and interventions so that you can thrive in your day-to-day life. So, I mean, I love it when a client turns around to me and goes, you know what, I just feel so good in myself. Um, I feel healthier than I ever have. I've got vitality. I have such an insight into myself and my not just my relationship with food, but my relationship with people. And I just feel really good. And, you know, I think now I, I can do this by myself. At that moment, Stephanie, I know and my team knows that we've done the best job that we can do. And it, I think it just um, it comes back to us because these people will tell their friends and their family and that, again, brings more people into the practice. The second part of this um, is around developing my team. It's so important to give personal and professional development for the people that work within the organization. So, you know, supporting them in their education, um, allowing them to move into more managerial leadership positions. So that, that combination of supporting our clients to get the best outcomes and developing my team so that we can provide the best experience for our clients, that's what makes me smile. That's why I love what I do. And Stephanie, because I get to meet really great people like yourself along the way. Well, what can I say? Um, so, so, James, thank you. I, I, I still need to work on receiving compliments. Maybe that's another session. Uh, so, uh, James, thank you so much for coming on to the show. You've been amazing. I have always found you and your team discreet, caring, and you are truly the best at diagnosing and treating the root cause of all weight matters. So thank you very much for coming on to the show. Thank you, Stephanie. One final thing. What are you, you've grown so much over the last 13 years. What are your plans for the future? Well, thank you. That's a really great question. Um, a couple of years ago, actually, we set up a second website called Emotion Matters. 
So that is where we support people with general mental health presentations, anxiety, depression, trauma, PTSD. So we really support anybody with general mental health um, issues and really give, again, providing that kind of nutritional as well as therapeutic interventions to support people into better health and wellness. Um, later this year, we're setting up um, our third website, which is Nutritional Matters. So really kind of putting the spotlight on the nutrition team and very much around a functional medicine um, approach and mindset. So really supporting people with um, specific testing protocols um, to really help them, let's say, with more digestive issues or thyroid function, um, metabolic processes, which again really support um, the wider work that we do with both weight matters and emotion matters. Amazing. And then finally, we're already working on corporate matters. So we have such um, a great, um, let's say, smorgasbord of services and a really great team of professionals that I think um, it's a really exciting opportunity for us to step into the corporate market with our USP very strongly about mental health and a wider kind of nutritional connection to supporting better mental health. Um, I'm really excited about the plans we have of moving into the corporate market in 2020. Amazing. Thank you so much. That's so exciting. I look forward to seeing that soon and sharing that with my clients. So thank you so much. Thank you, James. Thanks, Stephanie. Bye-bye.